one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I want to try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Represent in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. Instruction from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers and ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables to change the judge, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the first shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for listening in. Great to hear from you. Great to be here. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-C-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cots Bros is the place to get your trapping supplies. Check them out. They've got most everything you're going to need. We're brought to you by OnX Maps. Use your phone as a GPS on and off the trap line. You can use this thing for just about anything. I've been actually measuring the size of different fields I'm going to cut hay on this summer. So, um, And scout trapping locations, mark trap, mark waypoints, everything you need, plus the critical landowner information. That's onxmaps.com. Use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, for 20% off. And Moyle Mink and Tannery. If you've got some fur left over you haven't done anything with, why don't you ship it off to Moyle? Get it tanned by the professionals, preserved for the long term, whether you want to have a wall hanger, or you want to have, uh, you know, maybe sell a little bit of fur on the side. You want to get, uh, take advantage of that craft market and sell in gift shop or something. Or you want to make some fur items. Get a lot to talk about in terms of that as well. Moyle.net, M-O-Y-L-E.net, and info, I-N-F-O, at Moyle.net. Let them know you heard about them from Trapping Today. Thank them for supporting the podcast. Great to be here, guys. You may or may not be able to hear in the background, there's some rain. There's a... Uh, Rain pounding on the roof of the fur shed here, and that is good news because we're it th- as things are shaping up. You know, we've had a few years of pretty bad drought for Maine uh, recently, and it looks like we're gonna we got some seriously warm, hot, hot weather, unseasonably hot weather the last few weeks. However, uh, we we also have some rain associated with that as well, which has been really good because the grass is growing like crazy. And uh, those of you who do uh, tune into this, like right right away after it pops up, you may notice that I'm recording this uh, on Sunday morning. Usually, I I crank these out on Saturday night, but I the official start, the official upload date, or the I guess the official day for the podcast to come out is on Sunday. And the reason for that is it's kind of a built-in insurance policy that I have in case I get super busy on Saturday night when I usually do them. Uh, I can I can go ahead and do them on Sunday. And so that's what we're doing today. I was banging on an old round baler, hay baler, 
yesterday for about 12 or 13 hours trying to get that thing up and running and you're dealing with you know 40 year old equipment trying to to make sure it's going to hopefully run without too many interruptions in the middle of hay season this is kind of a, a first for me that I'm going to be pr- hopefully producing all my own hay this summer so that's kind of uh been taking over a lot of time uh, also took some of the last of my spring beavers off the boards and got to get ready to to take care of them figure out what i'm going to do with them as well um, but yeah we're progressing pretty well into the summer i don't have a whole lot to talk about in terms of news or things going on however i did want to mention that i have the most incredible looking and feeling set of beaver gauntlets actually have two pairs of them that were made by our friend josh fisher up in alaska with uh, beaver pelts from from beavers that i trapped here in northern maine and had tanned at moils and sent those over to josh and he sewed them by hand and they are just amazing 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 and he also made a hat as well and so the idea was he, he was going to make those and for me to sell. And I so I have those available. I have not listed them, put them up on the store or anything like that. They're just so nice. I almost want to keep them. <laughs> but I, I know I don't I don't need the things. Um, so if you are are really interested, there are only two pair uh, of beaver gauntlets. And uh, and the one hat that I may keep and I may sell, I haven't really decided yet. I guess it depends on how much uh, I need the money. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let me know, jrodwood at gmail.com, J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, probably be about 300 bucks a pair for them, uh, for the mitts, and I can... I could throw up pictures of them and stuff. I haven't really, I'm not, not really going to push too hard to sell them just yet, but if someone is interested, let me know. Uh, they may, who knows, a couple of people may, may buy them and, and they'll be gone. And, and I don't know, it might be six months or, or so or more before he can make more of them. So, so keep that in mind. And uh, I, like I said, I, I'd actually like to get Josh maybe back on just to talk a little bit more about the process of making those and and uh, he he did an amazing job on them really he's turned into quite the professional I think I don't want it to go to his head if you're listening Josh um, but but you those are really really nice so anyway that's that and uh, in today's this week's episode we're gonna get into something that we I've been wanting to do for quite a while to finish up uh, a few months ago, we had Kirk DeKalb on the show, and he talked about beaver trapping down in Georgia. He he has uh, about 16,000 beavers under his belt, so the guy has an incredible amount of experience. And he's also kind of a entrepreneur in the trapping industry. He's done a couple of DVDs. He's, he's made different products, and he has uh, more recently developed, designed, and manufactured cage traps. And so we, we talked a little bit more about that, and I, I split our, our, uh, our conversation into two episodes, and it just so happened, you know, around the time that we released the first one, th- there's been a lot of changes in the manufacturing industry in the U.S., 
particularly as a result of, of the COVID disruptions and everything and supply chain issues. And he, in the second part of our interview, Kirk actually talked a lot about his cage traps and he had a company manufacturing them and, and we went into a lot of detail about that. However, uh, since in the, in between the time we, we did the interview and the time it was getting ready to air, there were a lot of changes and that company is no longer manufacturing the traps for him. And he's actually been working on uh, getting them manufactured at a, at a new place. And so that's all kind of, uh, I believe that's all up and running and uh, he should be able to have some traps for sale soon if he doesn't have them already. But we did talk in this episode about the design of the cage traps and everything. Um, if you are interested in that, let me know and I can get in touch with Kirk and uh, maybe get you his number and, and if you're looking to order some. But uh, that's why there you'll notice some of this episode was edited and I had I end up just cutting parts out that describe the, the old manufacturer. And so hopefully Kirk, can, can get on and give us some update uh, in the near future about about where people can get these traps now moving forward. But anyway, a really interesting uh, trap design, and uh, we talk more about what we started in that first episode about how the magnetic field uh, and the positive and negative ions may be impacting the uh, ability of animals to detect your sets or to to know that there's a trap there or there's something not quite right and so just a, a quick refresher kirk has has this book an outdoorsman's greatest discovery the real reason animals are detecting your sets and that you can find that on amazon i believe fnt sterling fur a few other suppliers have that as well and he he talks about the uh, protein that uh, animals have called cryptochrome, which allows them to sense magnetic fields. Think very simple terms, a bird flying south for the winter, flying back north in the summer. How do they know what direction they're going? Uh, when well, we know that birds are able to sense the Earth's magnetic field and they use that to navigate, it's the same thing that's going on here. And so with fur bears, there are a lot of different variables, but Kirk has kind of stumbled after a lot of experimenting and trial and error. He's stumbled on this really interesting concept of uh, the, how this applies to, to trapping. So if you haven't, please go back and listen to the first part of this episode uh, a few months back uh, and, and get a little bit or if you don't remember, get a little refresher on that. And then we can come back uh, and, and listen in to the finishing part here because Kirk and I are going to talk a little bit more about the nuances around that whole magnetic field thing. Uh, some other uh, aspects of the entire issue that he thinks are going on as well. And a little bit of cage trap stuff, a little bit more about the beaver trapping. We just uh, we cover a wide range of topics and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Works. Um, the um, one of the key points that I figured out was, and I use a reference in my book of going down the aisles of a store mm -hmm. and having a negative reading, lower reading going through the center dial, and it proved that the positive ions were going up the sides. Uh, for example, I haven't. Uh, I've mentioned on Trapper Man we've had several threads, and I get bombarded by the guys saying that I'm full of beans and don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> For example, um, 
there's a there's a guy that made a post that's still up that's still there on the ABC forum on Trapper Man, and it has to do with magnetic fields. He was from New York, and he made a reference to uh, how he was catching more mice with a wooden snap trap than he was with the metal traps, and he was saying how he was using the trap. When I didn't ever come on and explain, but I'm explaining on your podcast right here. What it, what I feel like what was taking place, he was having better luck with the wooden traps. Un, he was setting the traps under radiators that were radiating heat from floors. Mm-hmm. And there was a gap between the radiator and the floor. Well, if he'll take his iPhone and turn it into a magnetometer, what he's going to find is, is the reason he was catching more mice is that area has a, probably has a negative reading lower than what it would be if it was above the radiator. Hmm. In other yep. words, the, 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 it was not only was the trap a lower magnetic field exposure, but the area that where the he was catching more mice is also in the closets that they had. Well, if he tested the closet, I'm sure that what he would find is the closet was acting like a cage trap that was correctly made and that it was drawing down the uh, magnetic field um, to where the the, the uh, mice would spend more time in the closet and underneath the radiators than they would in the radiators or above. Yeah. So have other trap manufacturers taken started to take this into consideration yet? Not that I know of. They'll have to. I've been made fun of. Like the funny part is that I haven't said anything. Another thing that I'm mentioning on your show or on your podcast that I haven't mentioned on Trapper Man, and I had to prove that my theory, but my theory was provable. That I, we actually went out in the field for a couple of weeks. We actually had animals that wouldn't go in the positive trap. The traps looked identical or looked real similar, but they were because of the materials that they were made and even how they were set. Um, if the, the trap is correctly made and it, it faces north, it will actually nine times out of ten catch more animals than it would be if it was faced east and west. So as long as trap, trap, not every trap, just the traps that are made properly. Well, that's a, that's a really interesting point. Um, and and I like so I I have some beef cattle at, here on on the farm at where I live, and I, people have told me in the past, you know, I read somewhere that cattle will orient themselves north and south when they're grazing. And I actually did read this study on cattle under power lines kind of lose that ability to orient themselves to uh, uh, certain to north and south. And so there's there's obviously some something that's going on there. Now, what you're saying is uh, when we're out trapping that the orientation of the trap might affect uh, a cage trap. It will a a foothold. Not like the cage. It's not like the cage trap. A cage trap. It will. A snare will have a bearing as far as if the full moon is out will make a difference with the snare on a full moon um see essentially with a full moon the the magnetic is the snare is emitting the most magnetic positive positive ions that the animal can see at nighttime if the moon is full during the day he is it's not but he's not traveling so you're not catching animals want to travel at night so when the moon is full at night there's there's a stronger magnetic variance on the uh, device that you're using okay so so when you have really heavy cloud cover you you're not necessarily going to have as much of an impact either well what happens when the cloud cover it depends on the moisture in the air tendency is that when it rains or when you have lightning strikes or whatever it, there's more negative ions in the, in the air and the negative ions would reduce whatever the animal would see in, in a case trap with a foothold trap it, 
would increase the moisture content of the soil, which, which would also hinder the ability of the um, trap to emit the positive ions. Okay. And so, so when you're, say you've, you've got a cage trap, of course, most of the time you, you can't really control the direction you face it because you're, you're dealing with a run that might be going in a certain direction. That, that's right. And no, most, of the, most of the time the cage trap is going to have a reduced field no matter what. The only difference is as long as it's made properly. The only difference is, is that in the, uh, with the, when you have a full moon, it makes a difference. And in, in, in the animals traveling at night, Okay. that, that, that makes a difference there. And, and it's because of the, the 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 direction it's facing has more exposure and it, it has has more negative pull. Negative pull, okay. Or, or negative and positive, more magnetic pull, but the force is different. Further north you go, the di the less difference there is in the variance. So the further north you go, uh, the it's the animal can't sense the magnetic uh, the positive and positive ions as much, as easy as he could. Uh, it, if it was uh, in the south where we are, where you have a warmer temperature, and the magnetic field is stronger. Okay, so that would explain the, the, why a guy from Georgia the, would figure this out. <laughs> that's that's right. That's that's right. The difference the difference between the, the induction of the earth is not as great the further north you go. So it's it's not as prevalent. It's prevalent in northern states, but not like it is in the southern states. The further closer you get to the equator. Huh. Wow. Um, and so the the carbon content is affecting this uh the is the shape of the the way the trap is constructed affect affecting the men the uh yes yes for example if you i, I have not tested nick arney's traps his round conibear traps the round mm -hmm. round conibears but i think if you'll take nick arney's 12 uh 12 inch round conibear and you'll take m with somebody else's 12 inch conibear. I think you'll find that Nick Ernie's round conibear will catch more animals than a uh, square 12 inch conibear. And, and the only reason I think that is, is what happens is the, the round would cause everything to radiate directly off the top of the trap, right at the very top where the dog would be on a round conibear trap. And it would be real easy to lay a, a two inch uh, log across in front of the trap and behind the trap that would block that the ability of the animal to see that you can do the same thing with a, a uh, with a square kind of bear but it's going to radiate off each corner which you're going to have if, if you don't block it you're going to have two radiating sides that are over 120 130 micro tesla whereas if you have uh, something like nick arnie's got with a, a 12 inch uh, the smaller ones i don't think it'd make that big of a difference uh, they'd all have a radiation higher than what you'd want but the uh with the round body grip trap, I, I'm, I'm just assuming because it would come out directly in the top, you'd have one area that would be a high in intensity and would be easier to hide that intensity than it would be if you had a, a, a square kind of bear. Okay. And and people historically have always said round round is better because it's a more quote-unquote natural shape for the animal, um, but maybe that's not exactly all of what's going on there. That's not exactly all that's going on there. <laughs> It, the the cool thing about all this stuff is that uh, nowadays everybody can test this, and so if there's guys listening to this right now, you can download that app on your phone. Uh, do you have a specific one that you like best? Tesla Bot. Tesla Bot. Okay, and 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 you can measure all these traps and and make your own comparisons and take notes and see if if animals are avoiding a particular trap if it has something to do with that. 
Uh, yeah, I would recommend you read my book to, to where you'd understand uh, where how how you go about it. Then read the whole thing because if you don't read the whole thing, you're not going to understand. Like uh, in the last part of it, I don't talk about traps so much as I do uh, buildings and in uh, uh, water systems and and uh, uh, you know areas and aisles down stores and like that. But if you understand the aisles down the stores and the other things, you, you'll understand how it all works. So you need to read the whole book. Yeah, and you also talk about uh, other implications outside of trapping for human health. That, that, that's right. So that's um, interesting. I had I was in the dairy business, and we we were talking about magnetic fields or field the power lines affect cattle and like that. Well, I had a problem with I had a high producing herd, which we when we sold out we had uh, almost a thirty thousand pound herd average, which was almost unheard of twenty years ago, and. Um, but what it was is we found that I found that the, the voltage in the barn itself and the magnetic field of the power lines was making an effect in the production of my cattle. I got the EMC involved in it and it turned out, it was, I don't really understand it, but it turned out it was a neutral line that was causing the problem that they had. And they could, they could change it at the, uh, at the breaker box. My son would probably be more familiar with that than I have. Yeah. Than I am like that, but he, he works for, uh, um, Planters EMC out of uh, Millen, Georgia, being an engineer. Yeah. But that, but that, that you were able to fix that, and you saw results. Oh yeah, we like I said, we 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 had a tremendous amount of our, our production levels almost twice what the average was in the state at the time. Huh. Wow. Yeah, and so that yeah, that's an outdoorsman's greatest discovery for the twenty first first century. The real reasons animals are detecting your sets, and that you just published that recently, yeah, about a year and a half ago. Yeah, and have you had a, a lot of uh, response to it? I haven't promoted it. I haven't really promoted selling. I sell a few books each month. Um, to be honest with you, uh, if people don't want to understand or whatever, they don't want to read it. That, that's their problem. Um, yeah. If if I think it's funny, we I, I do business with a company that nobody wants to believe me, but I do business with a company that's run by an electrical engineer, and he picks it up and understands it real quick. And uh, other people can understand it, but they're not they're not in that field. They don't understand that field. Even if you're in the field, it, it's not something magnetic. It's it's what the the difference between the induction of the Earth, which is magnetic. And and the uh, uh, the way it changes and affects the uh, expulsion of the positive ions and the trap and the devices that you use and how it converts them. It's like a like a uh, um, my Parkinson's. I can see it, but I can't say it. Um, it's li like a, a Faraday cage, just like a Faraday cage. It's like you'd have in your microwave oven. Okay. And that's essentially like the hex suit actually project keeps it from projecting outward so you got to be completely covered with a cage trap you want you don't want necessarily care about the words you want to care about where it projects outward you want it to have a negative field going through the trap so they're not afraid to go through it so you're not really hiding the field so much as you are trying to reduce it at certain points on the trap and and have it to where it be negative going through where the animal would want to go through it it's, it's, it's a calming calming effect is what it does to the animal in a negative uh, field. It does the same thing with humans, and I was able to figure that out when, when I read a lot about pyramids and how how a pyramid affects um, the negative and positive flows 
of ions through the pyramid. There is research uh, looking into humans' uh, ability to detect uh, magnetic fields and, and all that. So it, it, the thing, with, like for me, I don't understand this stuff at all. But what one thing I do know is 100 years ago, there were a lot of things people didn't know that we know today. And yeah. I think this might be something that we're just on the edge of trying to figure out. And and people, a lot of people might be ignoring it, but I think uh, you're definitely on to something here. And I'm excited to see how things progress as we learn more. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot more that can be learned. So how much of this cage trap design did you like, were, were, would you like weld pieces on and then test it and weld it? Or, or did you kind of know already what, what you wanted to do? No, I just, I just, I essentially made a hundred different designs, approximately 90, 90, 95 or 96. And, and I tested them and it turned out over 50% of them had a negative reading going through the trap. And um, uh, then I, 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 I just compared it to other traps that had a positive rating and I was out catching the, even my own traps that I made that were made with my material. Some just the way the trap was used, like I mentioned that side door trap. Um, I, I always thought it was how open the trap. I had traps that had four doors on them that were completely open all the time. The animal would get in the center of the trap and fire the trap. And the doors would all come down around it. Yeah. And they'd swing down and they had guillotine doors. I had traps with three doors, traps with two doors. Um, some doors wouldn't be the same design. Some would be uh, guillotine doors and some would be swing down doors. And, and even then they would be lock bar design. Some would be spring loaded uh, doors that would, would shut with uh, uh, ring locking doors. I did that probably 10 years ago. When, right when I first got started, I figured that one out. And um, it's just one of those things that you, I just happened to, if, if I had not had the experience with the cattle, I also was a, co a, a contractor. I was a concrete contractor in Orlando, Florida for several years before I moved to Georgia. And I put in several buildings and um, warehouses and loading bays and such as that here in Georgia. If I hadn't had that experience in construction and cattle and in the numbers of beavers that I caught, I never would have figured it out. <laughs> and the one that you have it looks like the tt1000 that's the one that's up it's got a bait cage it's not a live bait cage but it's a bait cage that goes on the back of it um i need to do more videos that actually show the use of it um it, it's, it's it's based on the, the, the trap that i have i've got that i made several years ago with long spring it's got a real high speed door the doors are so fast the trap boat you set on our table almost jump off the table when it fires it goes so fast so it's a spring-loaded guillotine door right yeah on, with on a long side. spring long spring it's easier to set than my other traps that i've had in the past okay. that are guillotine door it's just a very outstanding trap and does it does that have like a a standard trigger or is it a, a... Well, it's a standard trigger it's bolt on trigger you can actually I'm, I'm getting this out there. There's things you can do with it that no other trap maker can do that I'm aware of. You can actually make the trap into a multiple catch trap if you wanted to, but we haven't set it up to where we can do that. I, I, I know how to do it. I've done it with my other sets. and you, We can actually make an insert that goes in that trap that will allow you to catch three or four coons in one night. Oh, no kidding. Huh. Yeah, and it, it looks like it's uh, 
pretty it's pretty much universal right you can use it for beaver and otter or you can use it for bobcat it, it, it's actually an excellent bobcat trap the, the only thing is the bigger the taller the animal that how you have to adjust the trigger to set the trigger makes a difference uh, you just have to kind of learn or that's why i need to do a video showing how different ways you can do it it's it's extremely versatile as far as the number of the animals that it can catch yeah. the variety of species of animals that it'll catch very well you can catch skunks and armadillos and groundhogs and possums and beavers and otters it's a tremendous beaver and otter trap and a very very good bobcat trap and uh, they've been experimenting up there in alabama and they've caught several customers and like that caught a lot of red fox in it huh. wow yeah it's not common you see your red fox go into well they'll, they'll go in but not as as often as as animals like bobcats huh? yeah but it, it's a magnetic field is what it is if you'll talk to guys that are catching a lot of fox in uh, cage traps, they're doing it with larger cage traps. The, and the reason they are, the larger the trap will have a bigger frame and have a more reduced field going into the trap than a trap that has very little frame. Yeah, that, and now that you say that, um, I'm thinking about places where you tend to have uh, foxes go in, like, like, for instance, foxes getting caught in 330s, that's typically something you see way up north in Alaska and Canada. Um, and I wonder if that has something to do with it as well, because like you mentioned, the, the effect of the negative positive ions is less the further north you go. Makes it makes a big difference. <laughs> that is that, that's this is probably the most unique uh, piece of information that I've been able to share with people so far. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I know it has been for you as well when, when you figured this out. So it's it's pretty cool to get to hear from you about about that discovery. I, it, it, it really isn't part of the, well, the book also explains other things that are involved. One of them is, uh, I explain in the book how it affects, uh, how, how, um, the negative ion, positive ions are and negative radiation, not just mention, uh, positive and negative ions that affects the, uh, would how, uh, Bayer's roundup is it's not what's causing the cancer and i explained in the book you give examples like that why that's that way they they actually tried to they did three trials and they tried to start a new trial in another state and there are re, re introduce a new trial where they lost like that and the judges won't allow them to do it so it forced them to settle the lawsuits they're planning to spend over a billion dollars proving that Bayer that bears roundup is not cause cancer and I firmly believe the only way they're going to be able to do it is they got to prove that the negative positive ions and other forms of radiation whether it be radon or or uranium or whatever uh, is what's causing the problem one of the things that that uh, got me thinking a little bit is uh, the amount of time that a lot of us spend working around metal steel and uh, potential health effects and you you went into that into some detail in the book as well Yes. So something to think about. I don't. I don't know how uh, concerned I need to be just yet, but I, I. It got me thinking a little bit. It's always good. To it, 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 it's something that takes twenty-five to thirty years before it's going to affect you. And in, in the in the biggest the biggest way that it will affect you is the. I would think ear earphones in your iPhone. You're using an iPhone with earphones. I think that would be something that would be the quickest way to have a problem with uh, radi radiation on a normal person. The other thing would be if you live somewhere like I explained in the book in California, it's got several areas where the aquifer 
is over 100 times more potent with the uranium contamination than what is recommended by the EPA. And uh, these areas where they lost the, lost the uh, lawsuits, they were areas where the aquifer where they live is contaminated with uranium and uh, uh, nitrogen uh, contamination, as well as radon and radium contamination. And the because the so magnetic field lines are so great, and the and the uh, earthquakes are so great in California, a lot of the aquifers that are there actually the the water in the aquifer is not the same water that you or I might have to drink. It changes the oxygen and the hydrogen molecule to where it's actually uh, detrimental to human health. Yeah, something something to be can something to think about for sure. Now, I w one thing we didn't mention, uh, 10 or 12 years ago, you put out a couple of beaver trapping videos. And I, I know your, uh, your trapping tails video was my favorite trapping video. That thing was just really, um, it, was, it was produced professionally. It was just an awesome video. I had a lot of fun watching that. Uh, how was the experience recording that? Oh, it was, it was, it was. Very the the guy that actually did the video and like that was uh, Ben Smallbone, and um, the he has gotten to where he's one of the top uh, videographers in in the country. Uh, his family now is is uh, he does all the video for his family, his two brothers and like that. With have the group called for King and Country. They, they're on public uh, public radio or not um, normal radio stations. Their music comes on almost every hour, once or twice an hour. They're just exceptional in the ability that they have to do video. He is and like that. And the, the quality of the video is real good, even though it's been 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah. The only thing is, is the website that I had, I don't longer have them. I, I licensed my company to an, or my patents to another company out of, out of the country and things didn't work out to where I lost my uh, website. So I cannot be contacted through websites and the websites that are produced. If you buy the videos, you cannot contact me. The only way you can contact me is through my phone number or whatever through uh, uh, Townsend Traps or through Townsend Traps. Okay, townsendtraps.com. So that's the place to yeah. for folks to get a hold of you. And, and most... No, no, not for books. The book, best way for books is, is they're, they're sold in all the, almost all the major trapping supply businesses. Uh, Sterling Fur, Minnesota Trapline Products, uh, Smith Enterprises, and uh, uh, Michigan and uh, F&T. Yeah, and I, I, got, uh, I bought mine on Amazon, too, so people can get them there. The, the, you, you can get it. Very high-quality video. It's the real deal. I, I don't. I don't mean it any in the in, in the wrong way or whatever. But I've never met anybody just caught as many beavers over a short period of time that I have and could actually prove that it, they did it. And I I did it in my videos. How did your back hold up to throwing all those beavers in the back of the truck? That's why I don't trap as much anymore. <laughs> I, my shoulders are so bad. I caught a 60-pound beaver today, and um, trying to get it back to the truck. The truck was about two or three hundred yards away, and. Uh, I, 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 oh, it was, it was, I'm almost 70, so it just makes it kind of tough, you know, sometimes. But it's still, you still haven't gotten it out of your blood, huh? No, I, I, I can't hardly turn anybody down when they call. I, I, I just like it so much. <laughs> Are they still paying a beaver, uh, beaver bounty down there? Yeah, I actually can get more, more than the bounty, but I, I haven't done that because I, I don't feel like I can do as good a job as I could before, but they haven't been able to find anybody. It, it, it takes somebody with, with capital and 
probably six or seven thousand dollars worth of traps and got a, a late model four-wheel drive truck and have the ability to know where to go in the county it, it would be very difficult for someone to start out making a profit at it now yeah and you'd have to have the time you you'd, you'd have to not have a, a regular job because that you put a lot of hours into that the, the reason i was able to do it was my wife was teaching school so she was working um I had a company that was paying me to use my licenses and I only had to go in there once a week. And um, then I had, uh, I was in the summertime when I wasn't catching beavers, I was buying a thousand to 1500 head of dairy cattle and shipping them to different customers in the United States. So I had other forms of income. Yeah. I made me trap the beavers in uh, 90 to hundred days in the wintertime. Yeah. So you had, you kind of pieced together a bunch of different sources of income. I had four or five different sources of income, so I, I when when I turned in the beavers to get caught, I, I I would sometimes wait three or four weeks before I turned them in. And a lot of people couldn't wait three or four weeks before they got paid. You know? <laughs> yeah. So catching the numbers, um, I know there there are no big secrets in the trapping that I, that I know of. Uh, but do you have any tips for people? Uh, things that you found that that helped you to to get into that big numbers trapping and produce lots of beaver. The biggest thing is just be honest with people. Yeah. Uh, when you, how I was able to do it was I, I could, I could actually converse with the, most of the people around here that own the property are farmers, and I was a farmer at the time. I had cattle and I had farm, a good sized farm and like that, and I was able to relate to them. And um, most people are honest. Most people are honest. And if you're honest with them, they're going to be honest with you. Just tell them what you can do and what you think you can do and what you'd like to do and be honest about it and learn as much as you possibly can from one day to the next. Yeah, I, I think that's a excellent, excellent advice for people. And you develop a reputation that way. I have a very good reputation here. And it's, 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 uh, I, I have, because of it, I've got access, access to, I had over a thousand landowners that have written permission to trap on. There's almost 400 now in the county that I work or that I live in, and um, you wouldn't be able to do that unless people trusted you. You'd be able to go through their gate and be on their property. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of public land to trap there, probably. No, there's not here. Not here at all. It's all private. Well, Kirk, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Is there anything that we didn't get into that you wanted to talk about? Well, I, I would like to say one thing. Yes. There's a fellow named Wendell Reeves out of. Uh, out of Tennessee. If it hadn't been for Wendell, I wouldn't have ever developed the product that I did, and other people too, for that matter. Okay. And, and another person that really supported that were the companies were F and T. Sterling Fur was tremendous in what they'd done in Minnesota trapline products. So I want to say that about them and those those people. And then Sterling Fur, especially Keith Winkler, and the Cavens were exceptional in how dealing with them over the years. We're very fortunate in the trapping industry. We got a lot of good people to, to work with, for sure. A lot of good people. A lot of good ones coming into it too, like uh, Ernie and Ermie and uh, Stare Shop down in uh, Georgia. Thank you very much. All right. Well, take care, Kirk. You have a good one, and uh, yeah. and keep in touch. Well, thank you. And finally, the Cots Brothers message of the week. Check out the setting tools for the TS-85 beaver trap. Those are out new. And if you're going to do any amount of beaver trapping, first off, you ought to try the TS-85s. If you haven't already, they're an excellent, excellent trap and have had 
a lot of great experiences with them as well as have a lot of other trappers that I've spoken with. But the one of the complaints people had was, hey, you know, these, they're not that hard to set, but, you know, you do 60 or 80 of them in a day and, and he, he, a lot of these trappers are getting up in years and it, you know, you, you could feel it a little bit. So a, a couple guys, one in particular said, hey, you know, it'd be nice if they had a setting tool for these. Well, Cotsboro's just developed one. So check them out, cotsboro's.com, and be sure to sign up for the newsletter while you're there and get any updates and new new information, figure out, keeping up to date with what's going on in the Cotsboro's world. And with that, guys, thank you for listening in. Keep on talking trap and keep on thinking trap, and we'll catch you on the next episode.